You may be seated. If you have a Bible, um, I would invite you to turn to Isaiah 64 and hold your place there because we're going to talk through that passage. But today is the today is the first Sunday in Advent 2020, and I know in this room and online we have a a wide variety of. Uh, of, of, of people who've come from a wide variety of places. And so when I say Advent, it means a wide variety of things. Some of us know exactly what that means and some of us are confused and think it's just a time that gets in the way of Christmas. And, uh, and then there's all of us in between. And so the hope today is to uh, refocus us or to focus us perhaps for the first time around what Advent is and to look at these words from Isaiah to sort of help us navigate this. Advent is the season, as many of you know, uh, where, where we, we sort of lean into waiting and anticipating the coming Christ. We try as we can to put ourselves in to the position of those waiting for the, for the coming Christ and the time that it happened. And uh, we, we try to place our, our, our souls and our hearts in that position. And it's interesting because normally, uh, year over year over year, it seems like the hardest fight to that is all of the cultural celebration for Christmas that happens before Christmas actually happens. Uh, it's Hallmark films that start October 26th. It's uh, Christmas lights going up uh, as early as November 1. It's Christmas music starting uh, around the same time. It's this desire to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. And normally the hard part is uh, to recalibrate our hearts in spite of all the cultural celebration happening around us and to try to figure out how to do that without being a total prude. That's normally the challenge we face each year. This is not a normal year. This is a different year. And so as I was preparing for this and praying about this time, I couldn't help but be struck by the fact that it feels like we've been in Advent since March. We've been waiting and anticipating because of the pandemic, which if you're sitting in this room right now, you're wearing a face mask because we're in it. All of us have faced challenges and things that we don't like about this thing. For some of us, we're worried we're gonna catch a disease. For some of us, we wish it would just all go away. But regardless of where we fall on that, this pandemic has affected all of us. And it's caused us all to want to get to the end of this. And frankly, part of the, part of the beauty of Advent is that we approach it from a position of anticipating and waiting, but anticipating and waiting in a hopeful posture. And nine months into this thing, hope is running out for some of us. For some of us, we're, we're just frustrated. We're all responding to this in various ways, but we've lived through now the the length of a full pregnancy. Usually part of Advent's beauty is you put yourself in Mary's position waiting for the birth of the Savior, but you sort of tack on those last few weeks. You don't live out the whole pregnancy. And we've had that kind of experience and we're approaching this Advent in that way. And all of us have probably had Advents in the past that were 
challenging seasons personally. I'm not sure any of us of live have ever felt this challenging of a season corporately, where you know that everybody around you is facing challenges in their own unique way. And that very few people are walking into this truly festive, as it were, and as we may normally walk into this. And so this year, this year, the fight for Advent is to wait and anticipate, but to wait and anticipate from a posture of hope, to hold out hope, to actually look at the world around us and not to let the challenges of this world that we temporarily inhabit overwhelm our souls to the point that we lose sight of the fact that this world was never our home. And our hope is ultimately Jesus Christ. He is our great satisfaction. He is the one with whom we are holding out hope for. We're not holding out hope for things to return to quote unquote normal. Normal was a facade and we thought we started to believe in it. And for so many of us, we wanna get back to normal and we won't take the time to acknowledge that normal has been changing our entire lives. Normal is a constant progress of something new. And so when we come out of this pandemic, when we come through hopefully this Advent season, perhaps we can imagine something better than normal. Is there a way that this Advent can cause us to pray that the Lord would perhaps redeem even this pandemic for his glory and our good? Is there a way that as Advent approaches, normally we pull back, perhaps this Advent, we can lean into hope in new and fresh ways. And perhaps these words from Isaiah can help to, help to shape how we approach that. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna look at Isaiah 64, and the passage is one through nine, but uh, there's some things around the passage that I think are pretty significant that we need to pay attention to that provides us a little bit of context. For starters, um, this passage is part of a larger passage that starts in uh, Isaiah uh, 63, verse 15, that Isaiah is moved to instruct his people uh, to, pr to, to pray for, for opportunities to see and experience personally the power of the Lord before them. So this is part of a larger section where he is instructing on prayer. And he's instructing by modeling a way for us to pray. And so in some ways, I wanna say from the outset, this passage from Isaiah is a great passage for us to personally pray through. For us to spend time as we walk through Advent, perhaps praying through certain sections of it. But you can tell that Isaiah is clearly voicing a prayer for a challenging season for his people. So yes, we want to look and see that ultimately his prayer is realized in the coming Christ. We don't want to lose sight of the ultimate realization of it, but we also want to put ourselves in that time and see that there are some real challenges that the people of Israel are facing here. Their land is getting disputed in ways that they've never experienced, and a lot of them are feeling like the faithful people are not being rewarded, and everybody else is. It's a very challenging time for the people of the Lord. And this 
is the posture that he comes in. And as you walk through this passage, just pay attention to this language, 64.1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Isaiah seems to feel a real separation, a real separation from the Lord he knows and yet his everyday experience of him. He seems to feel in some ways that he's, he's a little alone. Maybe he's not experiencing the love of the Lord as he had in his past. And he's, he's, he's communicating, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. It's almost as though there's this vast curtain that's separating humanity and the Lord and, and, and he wants the curtain out of the way. He wants the curtain eliminated. He wants to see and experience God. That the mountains might quake at your presence. Sometimes we read these words. We, we read these words of, of power that the mountains might quake at your presence and we read over them. We think they're pretty or we just sort of gloss through them. But think about that, quaking mountains. He's calling for an act of the Lord. He's calling for his father to show his power in really tangible ways. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, these are real world things. These are real things that show real power. Anybody who's ever had a fire knows that when you construct a fire, there is power in that. And that's what he's alluding to here. To, but and we want to point to this next section, to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. Isaiah never lose focus and never loses sight of the fact that he wants the power of the Lord to be on display, not for his comfort, but for the glory of the Lord whom he serves. His purpose in asking for this is not for comfort. And I think for a lot of us, even in this season that we find ourselves in, we're fighting for comfort. We're not asking God, how do you wanna use this? How do you wanna redeem these days? How, oh Lord, may you be glorified through the challenging season we find ourselves in. We just want it to end. And so we find ourselves praying prayers that frankly are not rooted in to make your name known to your adversaries. They look more like, please make our life more comfortable like it once was. Then he points to this past time when, when you did awesome things that we did not look for you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. If you read Isaiah 63, the previous chapter, you will see that what he's talking about is the time of Moses. He's pointing to the supernatural events of Moses and saying, we want more of that. We want more of those power moments. And in some ways, it does feel like it can lead us to think about this past time as we pray this ourselves and to think about wanting to return to something that we perhaps once had. But remember, before the, pan, before the pandemic hit for us, there were a lot of challenges we all faced as well. It looked a little different. It felt a little different. But the glory time of old is never quite as glorious as we remember it. 
It never was. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No one has seen God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. So this is an important pivot, even in the hardship that Isaiah is apparently experiencing. He, he in his prayer, verbalizes truth theology. He focuses in his prayer on reinforcing who he knows the Lord to be, even though he apparently doesn't feel it in the moment. He doesn't seem to feel the presence of the Lord. He's begging to see him and experience him, yet he says, who acts for those who wait for him. I know you're there. I'm gonna reinforce it. And sometimes I wonder if when that happens in prayers, if it's more for those of us who say the prayers than it is for the one who's hearing it. He, ne he doesn't necessarily need to know or remember who he is. He knows exactly who he is, but sometimes we lose sight of it. In these prayers, it's why it's important that we constantly seek to pray prayers that espouse the truth of who the Lord actually is. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in their ways Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time and shall we be saved? Now listen to this next section. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind takes us away. Isaiah, as he's praying these prayers, he's not simply praying for himself or even his, his, his family. He's praying as, as someone praying on behalf of the people of the Lord. He's praying in this collective sense. And there is a degree to which we can learn from that as well. That as we walk through these challenging days to remember that we aren't alone in facing the challenges before us. There are brothers and sisters around us, and I'm not talking biological. I'm talking those who are connected to us through our common connection under Christ, whom are hurting and struggling. And sometimes when we hurt and struggle, we lose sight of the fact that others are as well. We lose sight of the fact that we could encourage our brothers and sisters by simply picking up a phone and calling them and asking how they're doing. We could encourage our brothers and sisters by praying for them by reaching out in, in other ways. He sees himself as part of something larger than simply himself. There's no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hands of your iniquities. This verse captures this idea of a sovereign Lord who acts and moves as he sees fit. It puts a proper perspective around exactly the power of the person he's praying to. And then he closes out this section. He says, but now, O Lord, once again, reinforcing this theology and how it impacts and shapes him and the people who would pray like him. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not 
iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Advent is a season of waiting and anticipating. Doing this faithfully, however, is not simply waiting and anticipating sort of with an open hand. It's waiting and anticipating in the hope that Christ is actually coming. It's, it's putting yourself in a position that in the end, the pain of this moment will find relief. Realizing that the challenges that we place ourselves in or find ourselves in will come to an end. And I would encourage you to fight for hope this Advent season. This year's Advent for many of us has us approaching it with our hopes sucked dry. We have to fight for that. We have to call on the Lord and plead with him to provide us hope, perhaps where we don't have it, to help renew our hope. Perhaps, perhaps this Advent for many of us can be a season of restoration, a season of renewal, a season of seeking forgiveness for the places in our own heart where we have lost hope and seeking to renew that like never before. I would invite you to use Isaiah 64, one to nine to lead your prayers this week to help shape the way that you approach the Lord as you walk through this week, just meditating on these passages, but also praying them and seeing within them the incredible ways that Isaiah has woven true theology and honest feelings and inviting the Lord to lead you to pray in similar ways. I would also invite you this week to reach out to your brothers and sisters in the faith, to reach out to those who may be struggling and ask them how they're doing Put yourselves in their place, even if you are one who, are, who is currently struggling. And as we close, I wanna pray the last two verses of this passage, eight and nine. I wanna, I wanna pray that over us as we close out this time together. Let's pray. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Amen.